hello and welcome to the How Not to Screw Up Your Kids podcast. So, pour yourself a cuppa, find a comfy seat and enjoy the conversation. This is episode 102 and today's episode, Is This Just a Phase? I'm talking about the question we all ask ourselves and each other. Is my child's behaviour a phase? Or is it a permanent character trait or issue they might need help with? And how do I know? Now, we know our children will naturally go through ages and stages as they go from baby, tiny little cute baby that we bring back home. Sorry, I'm obviously having one of those days. But you know, we know that they're going to evolve as they go through that tiny baby to adult. But I'm talking about whether there's a way of knowing for sure if the stage and development that they're going through is normal or not. Now, the bottom line is, sadly, there is no hard and fast rule. Trust me, I have really wanted to give you a hard and fast rule. As I researched this and reflected on it, because I absolutely wanted to give you a 100% reassurance. And before I record a podcast episode, I do a lot of reflecting and I do a lot of research before I sort of put in some of the kind of key things that I want to mention. And I really wanted to come up with some sort of flow chart of like, ask this question. And if you get yes, go down this route. If you get no, go down this route to really, really try and absolutely nail it. But sadly, it's just not possible. However, there are some general rules and principles if we go through some specific questions, which should help nudge us one way or another as to whether we have to ride out this particular stage obviously with love and support, of course, or whether we really ought to be getting some support elsewhere beyond the family, whether that's professionally, we just reach out to somebody who can give us a little bit more support or knows that little bit more. Now, what I will caveat firstly is to trust your gut instinct. If something feels fundamentally off, then do seek help. Even if you've gone through my flow, chart all my questions and it's sort of indicating that there isn't an issue because I really think it's important that we trust that gut and I just want to give you an example of when my children were younger so when my daughter had just started school and and I just want to note that she is a summer birthday so she's quite young for her year now she was unwell a lot Um, she had lots of sort of problems with her throat um, lots of issues So she had quite a serious amount of time off school in that early stages of just starting school where you really want those sort of foundations to be embedded. And she was given antibiotic after antibiotic treatment. And when I asked the doctor whether this was normal, I was told, well, it's just a phase and not to worry. But after a little while, my gut instinct told me otherwise. So we managed to get a referral to an ear, nose and throat consultant And that consultant confirmed almost immediately that her ears were simply not draining properly and she needed grommets. And the consultant made the analogy that Catherine was basically listening to the world as though she was constantly underwater. Now, I will just remind you that this is a normal part of typical development. But for Catherine, she was just stuck in this phase for quite some time. And when they did actually put her grommets in, the feedback that they got after that we got back after the surgery 
was that the situation was actually worse than they had imagined. Now, had we done nothing, I am absolutely sure, I'm absolutely sure, 100% that her jaw would have naturally expanded. It's part of the issue with sort of grommets and it's just simply that their jaws haven't sort of yet sort of grown as such in such a way that the tubes that in her ear that basically would have drained it away had just were not in the, the correct position and I'm absolutely sure if we'd done nothing it would have sorted itself out and her, her ears would have naturally started draining properly however by acting early her language development was not hampered. Her ability to hear in class was significantly improved and therefore her learning wasn't hampered. And no doubt her play with her peers was enhanced because she could hear them properly. So we have a gut instinct quite often. And if we just give ourselves some space and some grace to listen to it, we often know whether this is an age or a stage. Um, or whether we actually do do need to go and seek some additional help. And it's really relevant when our children's behaviour is really challenging. Maybe they're having some monumentally big emotions or they're worrying and we're thinking, God, is this an anxiety thing? Do I need to sort something out? Maybe your child is bedwetting, having been supremely dry and no issues and now that it feels like they've regressed. Or maybe they're biting or they're being a fussy eater. You name it, that's the thing that we're kind of really looking at. And the one thing we need to remember before I start is that with change comes stress. So our children go through natural ages and stages as part of their development and that will create some change. And that change comes with it some stress because our children, and normal stress, our children have to navigate this new age and stage that they're going through. And so that is going to be a phase, that is going to be a normal part. So we have to bear that in mind when we're trying to work out whether our child's change and shift in behaviour reflects a wider sort of large scale change in their development and that new behaviour is just a fallout of it or whether this is actually something that is the beginnings of something that is really going to be an issue and we do need to seek out some help. So how do we know if this is just an age and stage? And when do we need to worry? So let's look at these areas specifically. And what I've done this week is I've sort of put them into sort of five broad questions or statements that I want you to consider. So the first one is, what else is going on in your child's life? Because what we're trying to do is identify potentially a root cause as to whether this is a wider issue or just an age or stage. So for example, if you've got a child that maybe might be wetting the bed. So they've been dry before and now they've started wetting the bed. When we ask that first question, what else is going on in their life? We can start looking at, "Mm, okay, they've changed school or maybe we've moved house or maybe we've got an arrival of a new sibling or there's some tension specifically at home because we're having a difficult time with our partner. So it's really looking at the wider picture as to what else is significantly happening in this particular child's life. So could it be that what they're showing with that bedwetting is actually a reflection of stress that they're experiencing because their life it's had some additional stresses, some additional changes that they are also trying to navigate. 
And it also then helps us look if everything else has stayed the same, there's been no significant differences in terms of the demands being placed on them. There's no additional stresses. There is just this bedwetting. Then, of course, that gives us an idea to think about, OK, is this an age stage or is this something that we actively need to get support with? And particularly with the example of bedwetting is that often, well, not often, actually, the reality is with bedwetting, there are, it will be one of two things. It will either be psychological so they are experiencing a certain amount of stress and that's why they've regressed with that. Or it's something physiological. There is something around the development within their body that is then creating that issue. So now obviously I'm giving one particular example and there could be so many things that you're asking yourself about whether this is just a phase or not. So it's really looking at what are the wider things happening. And there'll be obvious things that we can put our finger on. We've moved house. Our children have changed school. There are um, the arrival of a new sibling. But what we're also looking for is we're really trying to identify some of the subtle changes. So it could be that they've been at the same school, but actually... Has there been some subtle changes in terms of their friendships, in terms of how they've engaged with their teacher? Are they starting to use language around their ability to perform? So we're starting to notice a confidence issue. Are they starting to also struggle with falling asleep at night? You know, are they having challenges around, not challenges, but are they now becoming um, particularly fussy about their food or we're noticing some additional changes? So with this, we really want to, scan and have a look at what else might be going on in their life have we noticed the there's some very subtle underlying issues that are not big ones but necessarily small ones that might be able to help us understand so if there are if there have been some changes this could genuinely be a stage and then we're looking at supporting some of those big or small changes or it could be that actually there are some fundamental things here that we need to address. So we really want to start off with that, almost like a bigger picture. Let's look at that whole terrain and that landscape to work out what else might be going on in their life that might be able to help clarify whether this is an age and stage or whether this is something that's a bit of a wider issue that we need to look at. So that's the first question that we really ought to be looking at. And when we're looking at that, we really want to have conversations with all interested parties. So don't just look at what's going on at home. If your child is at school, ask the school. We're noticing, you know, our child has started bedwetting, our child is starting having issues around going to bed at night, or they are, um, we're having a few challenges in terms of the language that they're using with us or their behaviour. Whatever it might be, have a conversation with school. If your child has got a nanny, if your child is going to a childminder, if your child goes to after-school activities, if they're being looked after by your parents, whoever else is involved in that day-to-day -day support and care for your child, when you're looking at the landscape, you have to look beyond just home. You want to be having conversations with everybody else who's involved because that really helps get that broader, wider picture. And if we're asking some of those questions at school, it also gives school some knowledge about what is happening at home. And whilst they may not have initially noticed something, maybe they might not be having a conversation with you because they've noticed things if they understand what is also happening at home they can keep their eye out they can then start fine-tuning and looking at things that might help 
to be able to kind of work that out. And that's not just for school, but anyone else who might be interested. So we need to kind of take a really super broad view and really get involved and have conversations with everybody who's um, helping and supporting and raising our child. So that's the first thing that we want to do. And that helps us understand whether it's a phase or not. The second one, and this is quite a crucial one, is that when we consistently apply some interventions, some scaffolding as such to help support our child when we kind of sort of maybe instinctively think one thing or another, are we seeing any difference occurring? Now, that difference is not necessarily a big shift and or, you know, that that behaviour is gone, but more a case of are we beginning to see some movement in the right direction so I'm conscious I'm using the bedwetting analogy but I'm just going to keep going with that one for a minute so if we think that the bedwetting could be a physical thing so maybe we think oh, goodness me probably having far too much to drink before they go to bed and we've not been keeping an eye on that or they've not been going to the toilet regularly before they go to sleep and we're consistently I'll come back to that word but we're consistently reminding them to go to the toilet or beginning to cut down on the amount of liquid that they have and we're noticing that okay the bedwetting is still happening but it's not happening all the time that we're beginning to see a shift in that then that is some specific progress and it could be an age and stage if we think that the bedwetting might be to do with just feeling anxious and worried and nervous because there's been a lot of big changes for the for them in their lives that we've then noticed that by putting in some tools and strategies and some support through scaffolding that we're offering them that we're beginning to notice that that's happening less often then it is unlikely to be something that is permanent that this is much more about an age and stage and development and that we can help scaffold them what is important with this particular second point is that the strategies, the intervention and the scaffolding must be consistently applied. I genuinely say this with love. Quite often as parents, we tend to sort of hear advice and I am 100% guilty of this. We hear advice, we hear, listen, maybe you listen to something I say on the podcast, maybe you read something in a parenting book and you start implementing it and you slightly throw the bath at the, the baby out with the bathwater because it's like, oh, for goodness sake, that's ridiculous. It hasn't worked. There's clearly a bigger problem. But we haven't applied the strategy or the scaffolding consistently. And consistently means we need to be doing it often. So you can't say categorically that you've tried everything if you genuinely have not been consistent. And I would much rather you try one thing and apply that consistently than try one thing one day and it doesn't work. So you throw it out and then you try another thing the next day, you throw it out because that doesn't work. Consistency really is about sticking with a new strategy, a new tool. It might not be the best one. It might not be the best tool for that. But the only way to know whether that tool is working or not, is by applying it consistently, not only yourself, but across everyone who's helping and supporting in raising your child. So that's that's why it's so important that we have these bigger, wider conversations with school, with the childminder, with nannies, with our partners, with our parents who are involved in raising our children. So you can only answer that question honestly if you have been consistent in applying that. And sometimes it just isn't possible to be consistent. So we just add less weight 
to the response from that particular question and more weight to some of the other responses from some of the other questions. So this isn't me being critical or judgmental for you. I'm just being honest is that so often we say, well, it's not that I've tried that. It doesn't work. But and it's really because we've just not applied it consistently. So the first one is what else might be going on in their life. So we're looking at the wider landscape. The second question is, have we tried strategies to support and scaffold and they've not had an impact? They're showing absolutely no improvement. So it may well be that this might be something that we need some additional support with. The third one is looking at actually, has my child regressed? Have they gone back in other areas of their development? So that this might indicate that I'm actually dealing with a much bigger issue that is beyond something that I can do. And this is not a phase, but something that I need to get some support in. So if we go to that, um, if if we're looking at a situation, we've suddenly found that our child is now no longer falling asleep on their own. And they've now um, struggling with um, their big emotions. They're now becoming fussy. They're now starting to bite. Whatever it might be, you might be looking at one particular thing, but we're finding that in other aspects of their development, that they had quite clearly navigated through that particular age and stage and they'd moved on from that. We're now starting to see that other areas have began to slip. And so this is actually, and if that is the case, then this isn't necessarily an age or stage, but could be part of a wider issue. Now, what I would caveat that with is, for example, if we're going through stages with our teens, so you've got a child that is going through those teen challenges, you might find that they will be regressing in certain areas because maybe they've always been really good at doing what you've asked them straight away and they're not, they've now appeared to regress with that. So it's looking at our responses as part of the broader picture of these five questions. So if we're finding that actually four of the questions, it looks like it's clearly an age and a stage, but one of them is um, not that way, then I would look at, okay, well, all the other indicators, the the kind of the, the, the huge weighting is around that this being an age and stage. So I'm just going to observe for a little bit longer before I do something. Or it may well be that that one question is your gut is saying, do you know what? I know that only that one thing is suggesting that it's a bigger problem, but that's the one thing that worries me the most. And so my gut instinct is saying that I need to do something about it. So it's really looking at that. So that third one is looking at when I look at my child's profile broadly, there's a signif- there are significant areas that, that they have regressed, that they've gone back with. And so actually that's saying to me that this is a bigger problem than than just simply an age and stage that they're going through. So the three so far are what else is going on in their life? So looking at that landscape, have we tried applying some interventions, some scaffolding, some support through strategies that we're in, that we're implementing at home? And it's making absolutely no difference. We're now noticing that they're regressing in quite a few areas that, that they're going backwards in. So I'm now beginning to think this might actually be not a stage and an an agent stage, but much more of a wider issue. Fourth one is, are there accompanying changes to their sleep or their appetite and their general temperament? So this helps us see that, okay, when we look at that particular behavior, that new thing that we're wondering whether that's an age and a stage, Are we noticing some accompanying changes over some of the 
big stuff. The reason why I've got sleep and appetite and their character, their just sort of general temperament, is that these are some very big underlying indicators that something is not right. And those changes are not just subtle changes that are happening every now and again. These are big fundamental big changes we've suddenly got a child that is not sleeping they're waking up in the middle of the night they're struggling to fall asleep at night and they're having they're waking up um, with very bad dreams or night terrors or their appetite has changed quite significantly they're becoming quite fussy with what they eat or they're struggling um, to eat because they're complaining that they feel sick or we're just noticing some of that real happy-go-lucky optimistic nature in their temperament is now beginning to be very differently very markedly differently um, to who they really are so if we're beginning to notice some of these consistent changes to their sleep some consistent changes to their appetite some consistent changes to their temperament then this is unlikely to be an age or stage now it could be an age and stage if let's say that we are noticing changes to their sleep and to their appetite and to their and to their character and their temperament. And we've answered to the first question that there is a whole load of other things going on in their life. They're taking exams that will get them to their next schools or they're taking exams that will get them to their next stage. Then, of course, that's part of an age and stage because we know that once they've transitioned through that particular period, that things will then resolve themselves. So we're looking at the response to these questions as part of a bigger, broader picture. But if everything else in their life is static, nothing is changing, there's no big demands on them, there's no big additional stressors, and we're noticing changes in sleep and appetite and their temperament, and they're not navigating a particular age and stage, in terms of a natural brain development so they're not beginning to transition through their teen years which by the way is not when they hit 13 it's starting to happen when they're 10 and 11 that if we're not getting these big other changes but we're getting some consistent changes in sleep and appetite and temperament then there is something else that we need to look at this is not an age and stage but something that we need to seek help and get support in so that is number four Number five is probably the most crucial one to look at because this will be the shift and decider for so many of these if you're slightly sitting on the fence is does your child's change in behaviour affect their ability to carry on with ordinary day-to-day life? Is this change in behaviour significantly impacting your child's ability to get up and go to school to then be able to lead these ordinary normal day-to-day life and if it is impacting that then it is unlikely to be an age and stage so if we're finding that our child is just not able to carry on with ordinary life so going to sleep eating going to school playing with their friends being able to just be as they typically would be then it is then that's where we want to kind of dig deeper because that is unlikely to mean that it's just an age and a stage. It is more likely to be something that we do need to seek some additional help and support with, which is why I made that emphasis that that, this sort of fifth point was something that we, is, is kind of an overarching. So it may well be that we look at the landscape with number one and we there's nothing else really significantly going on and that we've applied various different interventions and and they're not really having an effect. Our child maybe hasn't regressed in other areas 
Um, but we have noticed some accompanying changes in their sleep and their appetite. And we're noticing that they're just debilitated with their confidence. They're not able to go to school um, on their own. Or it may well be that they're struggling with eating because they're worrying. Um, they're often complaining about feeling poorly. Those are the things that we really want to be looking out for. And those are the sort of five areas that help us kind of really get a sense of, okay, the evidence is pointing to the fact that this looks like an age and a stage. So I'm going to keep applying um, these interventions. I'm going to keep scaffolding my child. Or it may well be, of, you know, it's really significantly impacting their ability to go to birthday parties, go to school, go to sleep at night, eat, play. So uh, there's clearly something more to this and I do need to be seeking help. And what that help looks like, it may well just be having an initial conversation with somebody. It's not necessarily that the issue is huge, but certainly in my experience, as I sort of shared with my daughter, but just generally all of the evidence, whether our child is struggling with their learning, whether our child is struggling with their emotions, and whether our child is struggling in some physical way, all of the evidence points to the fact that early intervention is crucial. The more sort of quickly we put in support strategies, the more we begin to talk with our children about the challenges that they're particularly experiencing and helping to normalise some of these issues, the easier it is for our child to then navigate that next age and stage. So it's really crucial that we sort of ask ourselves those five questions, really start to examine them and then put that intervention in if we need to, continue with the scaffolding if we think it's an age and stage. And caveat that with this notion that we have to listen to that gut instinct. And quite often when we're in overwhelm, it can be really difficult to do that, which is why it's so important to have these open conversations. And, you know, I haven't written a sixth one, but if there was a sixth one, it would be about having conversations with other parents about the ages and stages that their children are going through. But if you're going to do that which is why it isn't formally on here and I won't be putting it as part of the give that I, that I give you because that can be helpful and, or it can be quite a hindrance because it can be helpful when we hear from other parents who are being honest, who we've got a really good honest relationship with, that they will also be saying that their child is going through that. But if you don't have that kind of open relationship with another set of parents that will be honest with you about what is actually going on behind closed doors then having conversations with other parents can actually make you feel worse because what then happens is you judge your parenting. You feel that you failed, that this challenge is, that this issue is around your inability to support your child's development. So that's why the sort of consulting other parents, having conversations isn't on my number, isn't my number six because I really don't think that's helpful unless your part and you've cultivated a community a collective of parents where you can really have those honest conversations so you can really work out whether this is something that is an age and stage that your child is going through or some additional support that you need so my give this week are going to be these top five questions really in a checklist to remind you of how you need to go through that. We'll give you the usual space underneath so you can reflect, you can make some notes. And it serves as a good reminder for the age and stage and the challenge that you might be going through now or not, or also the age and stage and challenge that your child may still go through multiple times. Because they, we ask ourselves the, this question 
all of the time. As usual, all you need to do is head over to my free resource library, drmaryhan.com forward slash library, where you'll find the link to download the episode. All you need to do is pop in your email address and you'll get instant access, not only to this week's resource, but all the other free resources across all my podcast episodes. As ever, if you have enjoyed this episode, I would be monumentally grateful. I would love it if you could follow and review this podcast so that others can find us and we can spread the love. So until next time. Bye.